Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is part two of our special Shang-Chi Legend of the Ten Rings open spoiler discussion. Now, of course, on Sunday, we did our open spoiler discussion, but we had an awful lot of comments and questions get sent in, so we didn't have time to get through all of them, and I said we would get them finished up with a part two, and that's what we're doing right now, by the way. The official now locked-in numbers have come in, and Shang-Chi has made $95 million over the long weekend. That, that's not the official weekend numbers. The official weekend numbers is 75.5, but the long weekend numbers are now $95 million, which is, of course, a new record for Labor Day weekend, and over $150 million worldwide. So, yeah, it's uh, the successes of Shang-Chi keep rolling in, guys. Keep going out to see it. Uh, make this sure this thing has legs. For those who haven't seen it, what are you waiting for? Listen to every, Don't listen to me. Listen to everybody else talking about this movie. Uh, go and check it out. It's a special, special movie. But for now, let's get caught up here on the remaining questions that got sent in for the spoiler video. We're going to get start getting caught up here with Kevin Cow, who writes, This movie will pass $100 million, the $100 million mark Monday, through Thursday through Monday. Of course, it didn't do that, but it didn't miss by much. It's, it's officially 95 uh, I watched it two times on Thursday, booked an AMC theater on Monday with friends, and today, 12.30 p.m. at the Dolby Burbank 16. Yeah, I've seen it six times myself. I can't, I, I saw it, um, I saw it once at the premiere, once at a press screening, and once at Vegas CinemaCon. So three times I didn't, um, I didn't pay for it. And then three times since it's open that I did pay for it, so... Yay! I love this movie. I really love this movie. All right, next up, James Argento writes, Fun fact, Shang-Chi's mom and aunt used uh, Bagu Zong martial arts, which is what airbending was based on in Avatar The Last Airbender. Now, I don't know if that's factually true, James. It might be. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying I don't know that that's factually true. Or whether that's just a conclusion some people are coming to. But yes, obviously when we watched all that stuff going on, it did kind of look like airbending a bit. Uh, Lori writes in, the mom and aunt look like airbenders. Yep, it kind of did look a little bit like airbending a bit, didn't it? Um, A-Train A writes, love that Shang and Katie just stayed friends. Yeah, we talked about that a bunch on the uh, on part one of the, the spoiler discussion. I thought that was a terrific breath of fresh air. As a matter of fact, I was even watching the... Um, uh, the Shang-Chi pitch meeting uh, video. And even they make fun of it. They're like, oh, so one's a boy and a girl. So clearly they're in love. Nope, they're just friends. But they're a boy and a girl in a Marvel movie. They must be in love. And, and I love the fact. Now, I'm okay if later on they want to develop a relationship with them later. I'm, I'm okay with that, I guess. But I love the fact that they just kept them as platonic friends in this one. All right, uh, Yumi writes, Hey, Gangnam Style, I'm not Korean. Did your mind also immediately go to Kim's Convenience? Okay, see you. Yeah, I mentioned that on part one of the spoiler discussion, that as soon as he said, dude, I'm not Korean, I thought that was specific, clearly, that was a line that was specifically put in this movie as a little Easter egg and a wink to people who are fans of Kim's Convenience. Because in Kim's Convenience, Simu Liu plays a character who is Korean. And here he's not Korean, obviously. So I, I did catch that immediately. All right. Todd Kaepernick writes, were they implying that Katie's grandfather was the Iron Gang boss that Shang-Chi killed? I felt like he wanted to confess to her, but backed off. No. And you know, you're not the only one to write that, write that in. In part one of the video, a couple of people wrote in that same thing. Like, ooh, what if Katie's grandfather? Because, you know, everything in the MCU has to be connected. But 
No, what was implied is, remember, uh, Katie's mom is American. Remember that? That's an American concept. You're American, mom. So, and then when the mom says, you know, your grandfather didn't come over here. So it wasn't her and her husband that came over. Her grandmother, Katie's grandmother and grandfather are the ones who came over from China. So the implication there is that they had come over from China 40 years earlier. And whereas the Iron Gang, you know, murdering Shang-Chi's mom happened only like 10 to 15 years ago, depending on, on the, the uh, time interpretation you have. So, no, I do not believe at all it was, in, it was implying that, um, that uh, Katie's grandfather was the head of the Iron Gang. I don't, I don't think that was implied at all. All right, next up, Trey Brown writes, How do you feel about the rings being from the future and actually left in the past by Kang's alter ego, Ramatut? I don't. I I honestly think people are way overestimating. And by the way, I don't know that this is true. I'm just guessing. All right. I'm I'm just taking my own guess just like you guys are. But I personally think people are are reading far too much into Kang. I I don't think Kang is going to be as big of a part in this phase of the MCU as everybody thinks he is. I think he's going to be a major player like a lot of other characters are, but he, I do not believe Kang is like the new Thanos, right? So I don't believe he's that connected in. So no, I, I don't personally subscribe to that, subscribe to that theory. Although, Hey, who knows? You never know what, uh, what Kevin Feige's got up his sleeves. All right. Trey Brown also writes, is Shang-Chi overpowered best fighter, 10 rings and magical airbending. Do you think he keeps the airbending after leaving the mystical land? Yeah, I do. Because I I think if you listen to the earlier dialogue with his mother, I think she was implying that he will always have the, the, the heart of the dragon in him. I think that goes with him when he's not in Tao Lo. I think that's what was implied personally. So I believe he still has that power. Is he overpowered? No. I still think he probably gets his ass beat by Thor. He still gets his ass beat by Hulk. I think he still gets his ass beat by Captain Marvel. Um, So is he overpowered? I don't think so. I think he's a very formidable, powerful character. Sure. Best hand-to-hand guy in the world as a regular human being and add the 10 rings on top of it. So he's powerful. But is he in the top four or five most powerful? Like, is he could could he take out Wanda? I don't think so. So I don't think he's overpowered. Very powerful, overpowered. I don't think so. But that's just, who knows? We'll see what they do with him. All right, John Redcorn writes: Better soundtrack, not film score. Shang Chi or Black Panther? Well, Shang Chi's soundtrack was great. I got to go Black Panther. I'll I'll do you one better. I think both soundtrack and score were both better in Black Panther. As a matter of fact, this Sunday, this weekend, Ann and I are going back to the Hollywood Bowl again to see Black Panther in concert, where they're going to play the visuals of the movie on the screen, but the actual uh, Los Angeles Philharmonic is going to be actually playing the score of the movie. Um, I think the score in Black Panther is, is the best score out of any Marvel film. The score in the, I'm not talking about the soundtrack. I'm not talking about the songs. I'm talking about the score. The score in Black Panther is the best there has ever been in the MCU. So I think both the soundtrack and the score in Black Panther were better. I I like Shang-Chi as a movie overall a little bit better than Black Panther. Uh, But I think the score and the soundtrack in Black Panther were better. Just my opinion, though. All right. Dino Vader writes, uh, one of two. 
Today was Cinema Day in Switzerland for only five bucks. I remember you saying something about this before. For only five bucks per movie, you could go to any cinema. My daughter, 18, and I, 60, did a double feature. First Free Guy, nice, and then Shang-Chi, both in IMAX. So we saved over a hundred... Oh, maybe not bugs. Maybe is bugs short for uh, currency in Switzerland? Anyway, uh, both movies were great fun, but John... My daughter and I had a lot more fun with Free Guy than we did with Shang-Chi. Uh, put Shang-Chi on the same level as Black Panther or the first Hulk movie. Well, some people, it, it's, it's all subjective. Some people think the Black Panther is the best comic book movie ever made. So, I mean, all that, listen, Free Guy is amazing. Free Guy is amazing. So if you tell me you had more fun with Free Guy, you're not going to get an argument out of me. Free Guy is absolutely, utterly fantastic. It was such a wonderfully delightful time at the movie theaters. Uh, I think it was three times Anne and I went to go to the theater to go watch it. It's just such a good time, man. And anyway, I'm glad you guys were able to do that, and I'm glad you had a good time. All right, next up, uh, Anton Riley writes, uh, and it worked. America was afraid of an orange is an amazing diss to the Mandarin name over an orange. I know it was that whole dissertation he gave in, in one quick little, uh, little monologue, really, he kind of cleared up any confusion there may have been for anybody over, you know, the 10 rings that were in Iron Man or what was represented in Iron Man 3. So I thought that was really, really well handled. I, I really thought they did a good job with that. All right, Anton Riley writes, uh, I hope Ben Kingsley's character Trevor ends up being a mainstay in the Shang-Chi movies. I love seeing him. I have a feeling he's probably going to remain in Tao Lo. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see him again in the future. I, I really, I really do. And you know what? Again, that character, first of all, Ben Kingsley is like one of the greatest actors in the world. But the character of Trevor if you use him correctly and you don't overuse him, he can be an excellent little extra dimension to a movie. And I, I think they're going to leave him in Tao low. And I really do hope we get to see more from him moving forward. All right, next up, Anton also writes. So I wonder who is sending the homing beacon signal in the rings. Is it a stretch to theorize Galactus? It's really not a stretch to theorize anything at this point. Like, look, first of all, it's not a magical item per se, because you know, they're, Wong was saying there's nothing about it in our codex. It's not a straight up science thing because Bruce is like, this doesn't match any material we know. And this thing is way older than a thousand years old. But then at the same time, you've got your galactic expert in Captain Marvel site doesn't match anything in the databases we have. So really it could be anything in anybody. Could they ultimately end up saying that it's Galactus? They could. I don't see how that fits. But nothing is off the table right now, Anton. All right, next up, Crashing Coyote writes, the Shang-Chi running aside the dragon shot immediately reminded me of Zuko and Aang doing the dancing dragon scene. It was good, but I didn't love it. Well, I mean, that's okay. Listen, I remember when I came out of it, I said, look, I don't know that you guys are going to like it as much as me, but I do know you're going to like it. And that there's not many movies you can say that about. There's really, there's just something for just about everybody in there. Now, obviously, all film is subjective. Not everybody is going to like it, but most everybody likes this movie. Some like it more than me. Some like it as much as me. Some don't like it quite as much as me. The bottom line is, though, is that you had a good time watching it. I'm glad that you did. Uh, okay, next up. Uh, OBS626 writes, The design and animation of all the different creatures was amazing. I agree with the exception of the dragon horse. 
That's a weird looking horse. I don't know. There's something about it that looks a little too weird to me. I don't know. All the other ones, like the Morris uh, chicken pigs, I love the way they looked. The big lion dogs that were in Taolo, I love those. The birds, the multi-tail foxes. I thought that was all great. It was just that it was just that weird looking horse that didn't quite sit with me. I don't know why. All right. Crashing Coyote also writes, uh, I thought the first half was way better than the second half of the movie. I disagree. I'm completely opposite from you. I uh, And since it's pronounced Shang-Chi, does that mean we've been saying uh, Shang Tsung wrong too? I don't think so because in the movies they say uh, Shang Tsung, right? So I don't know. That's part of the reason why I always said Shang-Chi until I heard it said in the trailer, Shang-Chi. Then, so I, I don't really think so. I disagree with you. I personally think um, that the second half of the movie is better because while there's good, great action in the first half, it's the second half of the movie where you really get into what makes the movie special to me, which is the story. The story, the mythology, particularly the tragedy of the Zoo family right? It's particularly their tragedy. And as the movie progresses and it keeps telling their story in a nonlinear way, back, jumping back and forth between time, and we get a little bit more of the story told about the, the mother passing, the circumstances of the mother passing, what drove Wenwu, uh, Shang-Chi's father, to train him to be assassin. As we find, it's, that's where, and then the whole, the legend of Tao Lo and the dweller in darkness. See, it's in the second half of the film that the true richness of the movie comes out. Um, that to me makes the second half of the movie more special. But hey, other people find the first half of the movie more special. It all depends on how it hits you individually, man. So you like the first half more. I like the second half more. All right, next up. Uh, Alex Von Gollum writes, uh, the movie itself exudes what Ying, Ying Nan says. You're a product of all those who came before you. Elements from Hiro Kurosawa, the frame within a frame. That's true. It's a living art, a beautiful masterpiece. I love it. I Listen, man, I, I, I can't agree with you anymore. I, I am in love with this movie. And I know some people get, get their backs up and their assholes puckered up whenever they hear me say this. But I believe this is a better movie than Infinity War and Endgame. Now, I don't think Infinity War and Endgame are either top five best comic book movies of all time as it is, like to start with. I love them, though. I, I love Infinity War and I love Endgame, but they're not top five all time comic book movies to me. There's a lot of great fan service, but there's also there's, there's a lot of plot holes in the movies and there's and it is a lot of fan service, but it's an incredibly enjoyable time. I love those movies. But I honestly think from a character point of view, a narrative, mythology, story-driven, you know, every, I just find this to be, in almost every way, a better film. And not everybody, not, a lot of people won't agree with me on that. And that's perfectly fine. But I personally find it to be, you know, not a, not a top three uh, MCU movie, not a top three greatest comic book film of all time. But I really do think it's that good. Uh, I, I I love it. And Tony Long just Leong just takes it way up there. I really love that. Anyway, uh, let's see. Richard uh, Fairhurst writes, Shang-Chi 71.4. By the way, that's now been up to 75.5. Uh, Shang-Chi 71.4 uh, million estimated opening weekend has been F has beaten F9 70.04. It beat John's estimate by 26.4 million. Uh, what uh, what dollar figure do you estimate for the full 45-day window? No idea. No idea. Now, I guessed 
45. I said, if I had to give a range, I'd say 45 to 50. So I'm going to give myself the benefit of the doubt on the 50 and say I was off by 25 because it ended up being 25, 75.5 million. Um, and it's just with all the things working against it, that's remarkable. It's remarkable. The word of mouth on this movie has been far stronger. And while I would love to take credit for that, some people say, oh, you just made that much money because Campy was talking so much about it. Motherfuckers, nobody watches my show. I mean, relatively speaking, it's not like I have 27 million viewers turning into my show every day. I had, I was but one voice in the multitudes of millions across the country talking about how great this movie is. It's a great film. Now, all film is subjective. If you don't agree, that's perfectly fine. All good. I'm just saying for a lot, a hell of a lot of us, this was a great movie. But in an era of a pandemic, it is impossible for me to say what's the 45-day full total. total no idea. We don't even know right now like whether or not China is still kind of playing coy about whether or not, like some people are saying it's been banned in China. It hasn't. It's just that it hasn't gotten approval yet from China. It may not get approval, but it may yet still. So we don't even know if it's going to get opened in China or not, which could make a big difference. We don't know what kind of legs. I think it's going to have very good legs. I'm going to peg it at like, you know, a movie's like, oh gosh, um, Suicide Squad took a 70% drop. Uh, Black Widow took over a 60% drop. I think Shang-Chi takes a, a, a very respectable, small 50% drop. But again, in the era of a pandemic with the Delta variant and all this kind of stuff going on, it's really hard to say. So I, I can't even venture a guess right now. I, I can't even venture a guess. All right, uh, next up, uh, Jasmine Jones writes, I really enjoyed the movie. The action was great. The cast had great chemistry. They really did have fantastic chemistry. It had funny moments. And this is one MCU movie I will rewatch. Yeah, me too. I've already rewatched it five extra times. So, and I'm probably going to rewatch it at least one more time in theaters. I'll probably get at least a seven in. My recent, like my all time record is The Phantom Menace, which I ended up watching in theaters either 18 or 19 times. Yes, you heard that right, 18 or 19 times. Uh, my next record is probably Thor, the, the first Thor movie, which I saw like, and this is, you know, in the MCU era, I saw Thor in theaters, Thor one directed by Kenneth Branagh. I saw that one in theater eight times. So I might tie Thor. Shang-Chi may tie Thor for me. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. Alex Von Gollum writes, uh, where do we go? There he is. Alex Von Gollum writes, uh, one of two. Wen Wu is, is my MCU's second favorite villain. Mr. Leung brought such humanity and relatability to the character with recklessness too. The acting through his face, especially his eyes, makes you feel everything Wen Wu is feeling. What a performance. He's a legend in every sense of the word. Listen, I'm not one of these um, uh, over-enthusiastic fanboys that goes with every new comic book movie go, should have win Oscars. I'm not one of those. But I will say this in as objective as a way as I possibly can. If the Oscar nominations had to come out tomorrow, I would make an argument that Tony Leung should get an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor. His performance was perfect. It was incredible. Especially considering English isn't even this dude's first language. And his performance is insane. Everything from the way he moved his body to the way his facial expressions, his eyes, 
the dialogue, there was just everything about it exuded Wenwu, right? It was, it was perfect. I mean, it was just absolutely fantastic. Now, whether or not I would still think that he deserves an Academy Award nomination in like four months from now, who knows? Once we'll see a lot more of the Oscar contending movies come out, I may change my mind about that. But I'm just saying, if the nominations were to come out tomorrow, I think there is a solid argument that one of the five best supporting actor uh, nomination spots should go to Tony Leung. I'll, I'll stand by that right now. I really will. Anyway, next up, uh, Rob Vasquez writes, uh, so they chance the Hulk character off screen again. Change. Yep. They did it again. They turned him into professor Hulk. They turned him out of professor Hulk off screen again. Rob also writes, you think Shang-Chi's appearance in multiverse of madness? No, I don't think we're going to see him in that one. Uh, Edmund Dante's writes really enjoyed the movie. Love the Mandarin. Glad he wasn't just a villain for the sake of it. He had an extra layer to himself. Wish we had an arc for his sister though. Uh, though overall four out of five, I want more. I'm glad they didn't have a bigger arc for his sister because how much movie is there to go around? The main character of the film is Shang-Chi. The main um, driving force of the movie is the dynamic and relationship between Shang-Chi and his father. The sister was a terrific supporting ca- character, but how much can you stuff into a movie? Um, and she did have her own arc, really. She was a, a, a woman who was kind of set aside by her father, and she decided, well, then hell with it. I'm going to build my own empire. And she does that. And then we see her more and more coming to her own through the movie. I, I think any more attention given to her would have diluted the overall crux of the story of the film and made it unnecessarily long. So I think they used her perfectly, in my opinion. All right, thanks for that, Edmund. Uh, next up, Hoser Mies writes, The Beyonder, I think, is playing a big role in the MCU. Uh, I don't know what that has to do with Shang-Chi, but I, who knows? We'll have to see. Uh, Zachary Melvin writes, This is what I felt after watching the movie. Woo! Our best Ric Flair. Uh, also, will the 10 become a force of good or evil, maybe neutral? I don't know. They seem, look, I'm just speculating here, but they seem to adapt to the bearer of the rings, right? Like with Tony Leung, they were one color and they were used for uh, one purpose, you know, for conquest and power and all that kind of stuff. When they came under the control of Shang-Chi, their color changed. And it's almost like that's a physical representation of a change in their nature, maybe? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they in and of themselves have an agenda or are good, neutral, evil, who knows. Uh, but I think it's more of a, of a, they take on the characteristics of the bearer. I don't know that. That's just me speculating, but we'll see. All right, next up. Michael Brandy writes, the comic book nerd in me always wanted to see Iron Man versus the Mandarin on film, but due to the story and Tony the Young's performance, I got my closure. Yeah, I was, I was, I didn't need Tony to be a part of this at all. I, I was perfectly good with it the way it was. And you're right. This now, now listen. Prior to the revelation that um, uh, that he was just an actor. Prior to the revelation that Trevor was just an actor. Ooh, I dug that Mandarin character. You'll never see me coming. There was, that was, that was really cool. And he looked awesome. And then the Trevor revelation, all that kind of stuff happened whatever. But that all being said, this was the quote unquote Mandarin. This was the master of the 10 rings. 
that we had been wanting to see. And it's, uh, I mean, like I said, Tony Young, man, dude's a badass. All right, Victor Watson writes, I went Friday, then turned around and asked one of my buds to go on Saturday. Totally awesome. Just an enjoyable movie. Yeah, I listen, I it's just, that's the thing about this movie. It's one of those films that you go in and watch and you just want to turn right around and go back in and watch it again. And I haven't really felt that way about a movie. Because there are movies that I think are incredible. But I don't necessarily feel like turning right around and going back in and see them, right? There are some top 10 movies of all time that I don't necessarily feel like I need to turn right around immediately after coming out of the theater to go back in and watch it again. There's just, there's an intangible thing about that. But it might have been since hell, uh, maybe since Endgame. Because Endgame certainly has that kind of X factor, right? Like, you see Endgame, you come out of Endgame, you just want to turn around, go back in and watch it again. Because there's a huge fun factor to it. And I had that feeling with Shang-Chi, so I totally relate with what you're saying, Victor. All right, next up. We got uh, Feely315 writes, Love to see a strong friendship between a man and a woman with no romantic or sexual subtext. Uh, this movie delivered uh, that, and I'm here for it. I completely agree. And, and maybe that's a little bit because of my background, because... Like for, for a number of years, my best friend, uh, was, was a girl for a number of years. And I, I even actually had the awesome honor of being the best man in her wedding, uh, her uh, fiance at the time, uh, her husband, uh, was kind enough Like she had met, she had gone away on like a year and a half long trip and she came back with the man she was in love with. And he's a really cool, he was a really cool dude. And he was, even though he had never met me, uh, he agreed to allow me to be the best man of the wedding. She asked him if I could be the best man of the wedding. He agreed. I totally would have, was totally fine being the man of honor. I totally would have been like, I totally would have stood on the bride side and been the man of honor. I, hell, I would have wore a dress. It didn't matter. It was her wedding. I would have done it. But Maybe because I've had that in my background that I really do appreciate um, seeing movies that do that because it's rare, man. It's rare, especially in comic book movies, but it is rare and it was really great to see. All right, Victor Watson writes, this movie reminds me of a Saturday afternoon. I decided to see Guardians of the Galaxy, totally two different movies, but Shang-Chi did the same thing for me. I, I mean, yeah, Shang-Chi had a little bit of this and a little bit of that for me. Just speaking for me, it was the full package. Uh, I went to Cinemark twice on Friday and again with a friend on Saturday. Love the theater experience. Hopefully... They all bounce back at some point. Well, listen, man, I completely agree with you. That's one of the things that I said after I came out. It's like this, not in my initial one minute quick reaction to the movie when I came out of the premiere, but one of the things I said the first time I talked about on my show was there is a little bit of something in this movie for everybody. Like there's, there's the fantasy element there's the mystical element. There's fantastic action. There's the traditional comic book lore. There's great humor. It's just, and great family dynamics. It just had a little bit of something for everybody, Victor. And I completely, completely agree with you, my friend. All right. Next up, Casinema uh, Reviews writes, I like to think Trevor and Morris are living in Tao Lo now, and Trevor is giving people lessons in the art of acting. I was so happy to see him back in this. I agree. I personally think, I mean, under normal circumstances, obviously Tao Lo would not allow an outsider to stay there. 
But the fact that he's the one who brought Shang-Chi and his sister there, the one that the fact that he's the one who brought Morris back to them, and the fact that Morris would obviously was obviously going to vouch for him, I think there were and there was really nothing left for Trevor. I mean, what's there for Trevor going back to our world? He's just gonna go back to jail. Don't forget that. He's he's a wanted man. He's on the run. He was broken out of jail. So there's nothing left for him. So I completely, completely believe Casinema that he is back in Taolo still. All right, Victor Watson writes, 40 to five days after its run, I believe it's 45 days after theater's run, uh, it should do extremely well as far as rentals and to buy. Oh yeah, this is going to do very well. And this goes back to something that we have been talking about. Forbes published this thing that made it really clear. So far, what, with very little data we have, granted, but with what little data we have, it's becoming clear. Movies that have a full theatrical exclusive release first do better on home video than movies that just get released to home video first. Let that sink in. Movies that first have an exclusive theatrical release and then go to home video later actually do better on home video than movies that just get shuffled off to home video first. And you're gonna, I believe we're gonna see that when Shang-Chi becomes available on Disney Plus, on rental services, on disc, all that kind of stuff, it is going to do better than it would have if they like, I guarantee you, if they had made Shang-Chi available on Disney Plus the same day it was in theaters, it wouldn't have had nearly as many people sign up for Disney Plus for it as it will when it comes out in 45 days. You're going to see more people signing up for Disney Plus for Shang-Chi because it had its full theatrical exclusive release first. And all this buzz and all the word of mouth and all the headlines and all the success, that's going to drive people to sign up for those that aren't already signed up. But I think you're going to see more people sign up for it now than it would have otherwise. And I think that's a real missing factor. Anyway, good point there, uh, Victor. Right. Johnny got lost rights. One of uh, one of one. Uh, they gave my boy Shang-Chi the rings. I love Kung Fu and all. I love Kung Fu and all. But going to this movie, I couldn't help but wonder how Sean would be a formidable opponent for future threats in the MCU until they gave him dragon armor and those rings. I do wonder uh, who are the rings sending a signal to and what uh, was Wong doing with Abomination? Yeah, that's see who's the signal being sent out to. That's going to be the big mystery for everybody until Shang-Chi 2 probably. Actually, I kind of think we're going to find out the answer to that before Shang-Chi 2. I think we're going to find that out. But the bigger thing I want to know is what's the background for Wong and Abomination being together? I assume Abomination being out of the raft had something to do with the blip or the snap. But, I mean, I don't know. I want to know what that story is, Johnny Got Lost. I totally want to know what that is. All right. Next up, uh, Marvel D. Law writes, Captain Marvel seemed to be friendly and less stoic compared to her scenes from Endgame. Um, Yeah, but you got to remember, she's now back home. Right? She, uh, again, you go through, I mean, I had these arguments and debates with people when, when Captain Marvel first came out. But if you understand the story of the character, that's what her personality would come across like. We understand her background, what she's been through, how she's been conditioned, and all that kind of stuff. Now, 
we're seeing she's been back amongst humanity. She's been back in our world. She's been connected to humanity again. And now it's been a couple of years and you're going to see more of that personality. So anyway, that's my take on it at any rate. I still love that line though. Bruce will give you my number. And Bruce's like, yeah, I, I don't have her number. I just, I thought that line was hilarious. Okay. Uh, next up, Peter Cunnington writes, is that where we're at? Yes, we are. Peter Cunnington writes, the movie made about $75 million this weekend, 75.5, and now 95 over the long version of the weekend. Absolutely incredible numbers. All right, next up, uh, we got Johnny Lee writes, um, longtime fan, thank you so much. First time tipper. Uh, if you aim at nothing, you will hit nothing. Never has a line in a movie hit me so hard. I mean, it's it's also just a variation of the great, maybe the greatest hockey player of all time, probably the greatest professional athlete of all time, Wayne Gretzky. And his quote, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. It's just kind of a version of Wayne Gretzky's line. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Anyway, but it was a great line. Uh, Johnny Lee also writes, what's up with Simu working with cars, uh, running away from home and having daddy issues? Yeah, a little bit of Jong in there. A little bit of his character from Kim's Convenience there and there. Actually, that's true. That's a similarity. All right. Uh, Latin Shark 956 writes, nice to see Razor Fist is eco-friendly. Of course, his car is all electric. And my wife was the first one to notice that because her car is now getting to be 12 years old and it's closing in on 200,000 miles. So we've been looking at maybe getting Ann a new car. And so we've decided that we probably want to go electric and we're trying to figure it out. But Ann was the first one to point out to me. She goes, you know, that car, Razor Fist car is an all electric car. I'm like, really? That was an electric car? And sure enough, we looked it up and it was indeed an electric car. Razor Fist is very, 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 uh, eco-conscious, very eco-conscious. All right, Cameron Nelson writes, uh, was that an AIM super soldier in one of the cage fights? You know what? I just thought it was a random collection of people in the cage fights, but people started pointing out to me, oh, that was one of the Black Widows. That was one of the extremist uh, soldiers from uh, from Iron Man 3. So I, yeah, yeah, I think I got to go back in. I, I constantly never really looking at the fighters in the cages. I'm always paying attention to the conversation between Katie, Shang, and uh, uh, I Speak ABC. I can't remember that comedian's name. By the way, that guy, that guy, I can't remember his name. I, I wish I could, but I cannot remember his name. But the guy who plays, yeah, I Speak ABC, he's a comedian. And he's got a special on Netflix and I think it's called Asian Comedian Destroys America or, or something like that. And his comedy special is hilarious. If you get a chance to see his comedy special, you totally should. Uh, anyway, next up, uh, Cameron also writes, when his aunt was talking about the many cities of Tao Lo, it made me think of Kunlun uh, in Iron Fist. Or could Kunlun be on the same plane of existence? Honestly, listen, Kevin Feige doesn't believe those Netflix shows actually exist. He'll acknowledge they exist, but I don't think you'll see his MCU ever acknowledge they exist. So I don't think they will be on the same planes of existence. Uh, all right, next up. Uh, Skylar Hillman writes, I found Shang-Chi himself to be bland at times. Really? I didn't at all. Uh, my favorite part of the film is his relationship with his father. I mean, I did love his relationship with his father. Absolutely. That's the main heart of the film. But... To me, what made the movie go was his relationship with Katie. I, I just found their dynamic and their relationship 
it was kind of the the engine that kept this movie going. And I didn't think Simu was bland at all. I, I thought he was really good anyway. But that's just me. It hits us all in different ways. Efron Dagman writes, and like tipped in like $25. Thank you, Efron, for, for contributing that much to the channel, man. Thank you for that support, dude. Um, Efron writes, Hey, John, I love the movie and love the show. By the way, I got a new gig working with uh, Akshay Kumar right now in London for a big action film. Thank you for inspiring me. Dude, if you can get a gig in the film industry, that's awesome. Congrats to you, man. And I'm glad you like the movie. And I'm glad you watch our show. And thank you again, man, for contributing to us on that level. And, and again, huge congrats on landing that gig. That sounds like a dream thing for you, man. So I hope it goes well for you. All right. The Tastemeister writes, or the Tatermeister writes, uh, what was your favorite scene in the film, John? My favorite scene in the film is it's the one that makes me tear up every time I see it. And I don't know why, but it's when he's about to take out the Dweller in Darkness. He's already got the rings under the Dweller in Darkness skin and it's, they're flying around and he is up like 5,000 feet in the air and he's falling down to him like a comet falling out and he's doing his movements that his mother taught him and then pulling the big thing and blow, that's my, I get tears as I see Shang-Chi falling from the sky and doing his movements and that music that's playing. Oh, dude, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. I'm getting serious goosebumps just thinking about it. It's, that's my favorite scene of the movie. Uh, Bam Aham Yum writes, we need a Morris spinoff series on Disney Plus. We need more Morris. Me and all my bros love Morris. You know who else loves Morris? Aaron Cummings. All she could talk about was that damn chicken pig. Chicken pig. Chicken pig. She loves. Geez, I swear to God, when Morris is on screen, she watched it with us again the other day. When Morris is on screen, she tears up. Like I think she's about to ball her eyes out. It's incredible. All right. Uh, Lee Mel Lee KH2 writes, hey, John. One thing that surprised me was Carol. This is my favorite appearance of hers to date, and I love the way they're now writing her. Again, like I said, I I, I just thought it was great. Like she said, they don't, there's nothing in our codex. And so anyway, I just really like the post. I love Bruce in it too. And by the way, I said it before in part one of the spoiler discussion, but I am super happy that Bruce is no longer Professor Hulk. I, I just, all due respect to the Russo brothers who I adore, and everything they did in Infinity War and, and Endgame, but the one thing I do not like is how they failed to utilize Hulk. Other than that one opening fight with Thanos, I thought that opening fight with Thanos was great. Who else is better to show the overwhelming universal power of Thanos than have him fight Hulk? And that was great. I really wanted to see a Hulk versus Thanos part two, and it's fine that we didn't get that. I was just kind of deep down kind of hoping for it. But I wasn't a fan of the Professor Hulk. I like Hulk, the monster, as Loki referred to him, the monster, like the nuclear option, the you better hope they don't have a Hulk kind of option. I admit that's the savage Hulk, the angrier he gets, the stronger he gets. And I like the, the division of Hulk and Bruce. Anyway, so I was happy to see that Bruce was back. I was happy to see Bruce was back. All right. Where are we at here now? We're at Savage McFilthy who writes. Um, oh, wow. It was amazing. That fight scene with his dad at the end was awesome. I'm going again tomorrow. One of the things that I loved about this movie was you had strict hand-to-hand -hand fantastic martial arts action scenes like on the bus against his sister in the ring, that sort of stuff. And then they got 
more high-flying dynamic, like the fight on the building, on the outside of the building with the scaffolding, and then pure mythology, crouching tiger, hidden dragon kind of fights with the sci-fi elements. They had it all, and it all looked great to me. So I, I love that a lot too, Savage, that last fight. Uh, Benjamin Atwater writes, did you notice the Ten Ring soldiers in the post-credit mostly had face masks? Was this due to COVID or always meant to be like that? Great show, John. Well, listen, if you notice, it, that, no, that's not inconsistent for the Ten Rings at all. Because if you notice, when um, when Wen Wu gets back to the compound with uh, Shang-Chi and his sister and Katie in tow, right, and Razor Fist... You notice all the soldiers are like that already. And you see a lot of times throughout the movie, they're also wearing it. So no, I don't think that, I think that was more like the the ninja-ish of it. I don't think it had anything to do with COVID. All right, next up. Uh, Richard Yearn writes, were you surprised by Ben Kingsley's appearance? I would have been if it wasn't for the fact that I was at the premiere and then Ben Kingsley was introduced <laughs> before the movie started. Uh, otherwise, yes, I would have been I mean, not shocked because obviously we all knew there was a possibility of that happening, but I would have at least been a little bit surprised, but because they introduced him at the premiere prior to the movie starting kind of gave that away a little bit. All right. Juan, um, Girales writes, the movie was just a beautiful experience for me. My sister even liked it and she doesn't like many MCU movies. I think they might bring in the Mac. The McCoolins in the future, judging by the post-credit scene. Uh, again, honestly, I got to tell you, I have no idea. This is one of those things where I just got to tell you, I have no idea what that is. I could pretend that I do, um, and and but I don't. I don't know what that is, unfortunately. But listen, it's always great when siblings get to watch a movie uh, once a year, except for last year, obviously, because of COVID. Um, I go back to Canada. And I take my whole family to a movie and we all go as a family. And I love watching movies with my family and my siblings and stuff like that. So I'm glad you guys were able to do that one. And you guys were able to have a good time with that. All right. Next up, uh, BJ three, four, seven writes was Spider-Man supposed to come out first in the Spider-Man trailer. When Wong went on vacation, he was going, was he going to fight abomination? No, I don't think so because it looks like he just went there, fought and then went right back home. So he's only gone for like a half hour, probably. So no, I do not believe he was going on vacation to fight Abomination, considering he brought Abomination back with him. So I don't think that was, uh, I don't think that's what was being implied. All right, Joel writes, I love the movie and it is definitely in my top five favorite Marvel films. I've seen it twice and the bus scene is my favorite scene. The bus scene's amazing. When that music's, first of all, terrific music choice with it. But man, you've got to see this movie multiple times just to catch every amazing thing that's going on in that fight. It's, it's just that Simu and all the other people involved in those fights are moving so beautifully and so fluidly and you miss half the strikes and everything that's happening because it's happening so fast. And I love the fact that the camera moves. It doesn't shake. The camera doesn't shake in Shang-Chi. It moves. And I love the movements of the camera, the way it follows the action, all that kind of stuff. Oh, God, that bus scene's amazing, dude. That bus scene is amazing. Okay, next up. Skylar Hillman writes, do you have any major criticisms of the film? Um, off the top of my head, no. The That doesn't mean I think they did everything perfectly, but you can do something that doesn't really warrant criticism without it being perfect. My, my one thing that I will say and it's not a major criticism. 
because I think the performances were great. I think the character dynamics are great. I think the background history was great. I think the narrative was fantastic. I think the mythology was great. I thought the payoff was wonderful. I thought the post-credit scenes were great. My one thing is there are times in this movie where the CG seems a little iffy. Not with the dragon. I thought the dragon was utterly gorgeous, but there were there were times throughout the movie when CG was being used that I thought, ah, that, that CG was a little bit shaky. You know, that, the CG there could have been done a little bit better. I mean, it was, it was still good enough that it never pulled me out of the film, but there are moments of iffiness with the CG, but that's the biggest criticism I have for the film right now. All right, uh, Laura Napier writes, the first movie in two years, worth the wait. Ben Kingsley in it uh, in it way more than I thought. I can't wait for Eternals. Here's the funny thing. A lot of people are saying that, but the reality is this. Ben Kingsley's barely in this movie. He's in two sequences, the prison and the car getting to Taolo. Those are the two big sequences he's in. After that happens, he's really only on screen for like, two seconds here with a quick line, one or two seconds here with a quick line. I mean, really, he's not in this movie much. It's, they, we meet him in the prison, they break out of prison, drive to Talo, and that's pretty much end of it for him, except for popping on screen for a few seconds here and there. So I think it feels like he's in the movie more than he is, but he's really not in it that much. But yeah, this movie has done more for getting me excited about Eternals than the Eternals trailers have. And I thought the last Eternals trailer was pretty good. But, uh, like, the most recent Eternals trailer. But, yeah, this movie just made me more excited for Eternals. I'm with you on that, Laura. All right, the Hendrix Podcast writes, uh, This movie is full of heart. I cared for every character, even the old teacher who was in it for the last act. I was so bummed when he bit the bullet. Yeah, I was so... Don't die. I mean, this that dude, I could have watched a Disney Plus series just on that dude being kind of, gr being warm-hearted but grumpy. Like hard exterior but softy inside. I could have watched a whole Disney Plus movie on that guy. Breathe deep. And all this kind of stuff. I thought he was great. I thought he was great. I, too, really felt it. When the little mini soul sucker came out of nowhere and pulled him in the air and sucked his soul out. Yeah, man. I was like, no. I wanted more of that guy. I love that guy. Uh, anyway, uh, next up, uh, we've got uh, Lee Mel, uh, Lee Mel Lee KH2 writes, and this is easily one of my favorite superhero films. I was sold at the first line. I legit started tearing up at seeing subtitles and I'm black. Yeah, I love the fact that where they would be speaking Chinese, they spoke Chinese. There's a lot, I mean, this, this language, if this movie is mostly in English for sure, but I love the fact that they didn't just have them speaking all in Chinese accents instead of actually having them speak Chinese. I really, really like that a lot. Me too, man. All right. Isaac, uh, Valenzuela writes, my boyfriend and I saw Shang-Chi on Thursday and it was very gratifying to see a group of 20 to 25 young Asian people happy to see themselves being represented. Yeah. Listen, I talked to Anne, obviously to get her perspective on it after we saw it for the first time. And she said, forget the fact that any of the characters in the movie are Asian. This movie's just awesome. But it feels really good seeing one of these, one of the main heroes on screen with people who look like me. 
which is something we heard a lot of too when like Black Panther came out. People like me who are white, we totally take for granted the fact that we just 90% of the stuff we see is people who look like us. And we just take that for granted. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's not a big deal. Well, it's easy for us to say that because we see it all the time. And for somebody who loves the comic book movies to, for the first time, see the lead front and center hero of a film, somebody who looks like them, is something we take for granted and overlook all the time. And I think that was great. I think I think that was great. Because I know how I feel just watching a UFC fight. And, you know, there's not many Italian UFC fighters. There are a couple. But, like, I know how I feel as an Italian when I get to see an Italian fighter. I'm like, yeah, my, my chest puffs out a little bit more. I find myself having a rooted interest. Like, there's, there's somebody with who has the same family background as me. And that guy grew up in North America like me with a family, with a family history and heritage of, of being Italian and blah, blah, blah. And, and that's, and we look like everybody else. So to have that when it's characters that look uniquely like you, I can only imagine how my pride would be at that point. Again, I think it's something that, that people like me, we take for, we take for granted a lot. I think it is. Anyway, thanks for sharing your thoughts on that, Isaac. Appreciate that. All right. Uh, Matt Mobile writes, they should have called the movie The Legend of Tao Lo. It wasn't about the history of the rings at all. Also, uh, who do you like to see Shang-Chi team up with? I don't really care who he teams up with. No interest in that. I, you know, I thought about that at first because the movie, you could have, here's what you could have called Shang-Chi. You could have called it Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. Right? You could have just called it that. Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. Because the Ten Rings are very much a serious part of this movie. They're the things that had his father be alive for thousands of years. They're the things that gave him his power. They're the things that gave Shang-Chi the ability to defeat the, the Dweller in Darkness. They are the things that were able to break the gate that let the Dweller in Darkness out in the first place. And they themselves become the focus of the mystery in the post credit scenes. You easily could call this film Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. Calling it Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, yeah, you could have taken that out because this movie really, it's a lot about the rings, but it's really not anything about the Legend of the Rings. Like the mom starts out the movie talking to her young son and saying, Oh, there's more to know about the legend of the rings when you get older or something like that. Right. But really the movie wasn't about the legend of the rings. So shorten up the title to Shang-Chi and the 10 rings. and You got a perfect title, perfect title. Then I'm not that it matters. Just the title. The title doesn't make the movie better or worse. All right. Calvin Patel writes, Absolutely love the movie. Me too, brother. Um, where are we at? Choreography and the storytelling was top-notch. Also, how about those dragons? I love the dragons. Love, 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 love the dragons. Just that one spot when Ji uh, Ling, if, I'm always mispronouncing the sister's name. I think it's Ji Ling. Anyway, when Ji Ling uses the, the, the spike to wipe the mini soul suckers off the dragon's eyes. And then the dragon munches on a couple of them and the dragon stops and turns to her and looks at her. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my, like I felt it. Like, how would you feel if you were her where this, the great protector, this mythological dragon 
is kind of looking at you and bonding with you for a moment. Like I, and I felt that sitting in my damn theater seat. Like I felt like I was going to melt. There was something so majestic about that moment that, that Shang Li's sister and the dragon just be, just beheld each other. Almost like an acknowledgement. And it's like the, the majesty of that moment did not get lost on me. I absolutely love that. All right. Next up, Gabe Campbell writes, probably my third favorite MCU movie. It's so incredible, breathtaking action and amazing characters. The MCU is really on another level. And you know what? I, I was so thrilled to be thrilled because for the first time since the MCU really got going, I had gone three MCU projects in a row that I didn't love. Like I liked them all. I liked Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I did not love it. I liked Loki, but I did not love it. I liked Black Widow, but I did not love it. And I was starting to get a little bit bummed out by this streak of all these MCU things that I like, but I don't love. It's just like, okay, it's just becoming. And then to see Shang-Chi. And then to see Shang-Chi. Because I'll tell you what. We talked about this on the John Campus show earlier today, but like my friend Tom Degnan, who's married to Aaron, he said, this was the movie the MCU needed right now. It wasn't Black Widow. That, that feeling of, yes, the MCU is back. Black Widow didn't give us that, in my personal opinion. In my personal opinion. It was a fun little movie. It, it was I enjoyed it. I liked it. But it... The, the way they completely screwed the pooch on both of the villains, completely uninteresting villains, which led to a, a number of problems. Anyway, I like Black Widow. I don't I don't want to make it sound like I don't like it. I do. I, I like Black Widow. But it wasn't the movie to announce the MCU is back. That movie didn't do it. This movie does that. Shang-Chi does that. And uh, I love the fact that it, it did it, man. It really did. Next up, we've got uh, Hazma Hussein who writes, uh, didn't expect the dragons, etc. Had no idea what to expect, but I loved it. Uh, what did you make of the mid credit scene? What does it mean for the MCU going forward? Well, I mean, that, that's that's the question, right? It's like, what, who, who is being signaled? What are those pulses going out to? That's the big, I have no idea. Like already somebody, this video was speculating that it may be Galactus. Maybe it's something to do with the Eternals, although I doubt it has something to do with the Eternals, but you never know. But I do believe it's going to have be something that has wider implications than just for Shang-Chi. I think it'll have implications on the MCU. Like I might involve us a couple of other characters. I don't think it'll be the Avengers five event, but I think it'll have wider implications than just Shang-Chi. So we'll see where they go with that. All right. Next up, uh, Matt Mobile writes, I wonder if they turned the Mandarin character into a good guy because of the actor playing him. Uh, wouldn't that be making the character fit the actor? Well, that's, ex- that's, that's not what they did at all. That's not what they did at all. That would be idiotic for them to do. You know, go, okay, uh, we're going to have Shang-Chi's father because they wrote the script before they cast the role. It's not like they wrote the script saying, okay, yeah, and Wen Wu is this big evil guy and he stays evil and he's the big bad guy. And then they cast Tony Leung. Huh. Well, well, I guess we should rewrite the character then and change the story just because this is the actor. No, they wrote the script 
and then they got the actor to write him. So no, they didn't make him a good guy because of who the actor is. That's not what they did. All right, next up. Uh, Hamza writes again, I felt Abomination versus Wong was a letdown, sadly. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand that train of thought at all. It's not a part of the movie. It has nothing to do with the movie. Their thing was just to show Wong in the world and to give a sense about why Shang-Chi would feel apprehension about getting in the ring. But this movie isn't about abomination at all. So I, I wasn't let down by it. It was like, great. It was a fun little shot of them that we got to see. We know abominations back in the world, but it, what did we expect? Did we expect them to have their own side story in it? So I was perfectly good with it. And I say that as a guy who's been waiting for abomination to come back for years and years and years and years. I've been waiting for them to bring him back. So I thought it was great. Anyway, uh, Johnny Jarko writes, uh, what should Destin direct next if still in the MCU? I'm gunning for either Avengers or some type of Tao Lo spinoff a la The Wakanda Show, but as a film, I think what you're going to see him do next in the MCU is Shang-Chi 2. Uh, I believe they've probably already got him at work on it. I have, I have very, very little doubt. If he's not already at work, on Shang-Chi 2, then they are at work at hammering down the deal so he can get moving on Shang-Chi 2 right away. Because remember, it's a years-long process to get a film ready to be shot and then to shoot it and produce it and get it in theaters. Like, when a director works on a film, they just don't show up to a movie on day one of shooting and start directing. They're usually involved with the movie for years before they get going. So... I, I tend to believe we'll probably see him doing Shang-Chi 2, and uh, he'll probably get to work on that fairly soon, unless he wants to do another movie first, and some directors prefer doing that. But I have a feeling, again, no information on this. This is just me speculating. There's could be totally wrong about this. I'm just saying my guess is they're probably already working on a deal for him to get moving and, you know, getting screenwriters involved and then working with the screenwriters to get a Shang-Chi 2 put together. That's my guess at any rate. All right. Uh, next up, where are we at? We are at um, Aiden Foley, who writes, Great film. Love the depth in writing, the characters, and the great Chinese culture. Sadly, I was in a theater full of jackasses talking on phones. I see people writing. I have never been in one of these before. And I've been in thousands of movies. I've never, I've seen, I've been in a movie theater where one guy took like two phone calls. I've never been in a theater. How does that, how does nobody just go and talk to the management of a theater and say, hey, listen, we got people talking on phones in the theater. Do something about it. We paid to be here. So, Again, I have never, in all of the thousands of times I've been in movie theaters, have I ever experienced that. Other than a couple of occasions where it's been one person once doing something and they usually get shushed out. But I have never seen it. So I'm really sorry you had that experience, man. I have never had that. So I'm, I feel really bad that you did. Anyway, next up, Ifran Dagman writes, John, sorry going off topic, but when you saw the Batman footage in CinemaCon, did they show Dano and will it get an R rating? Again, sorry about that, man, but we are here to talk about Shang-Chi. If you want to ask about that, write it into the John Camby show. That's not what we're here to talk about, dude. All right, John Redcorn writes, buy one, rent one, lose one. Um, uh, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Suicide Squad. I uh, People keep writing in buy one, rent one, lose one, and I usually say I'm not going to play that game, but they keep writing it in. Um I will buy Shang-Chi. I will rent Suicide Squad, even though I do love Suicide Squad. I love that movie. I think it's fantastic. Uh, and then I will lose Black Widow. I like it, but I, I don't love it the way I love Shang-Chi or Suicide Squad. Uh, GC Nightwalker writes, one of three. 
Um, these 10 rings remind me of the quantum bands from the comics more than the 10 rings. They, they have a worthiness thing to them like Mjolnir. Uh, anyone can use them, but only the worthy can use them to the fullest potential. That explained why only Shang-Chi, um, Shang-Chi using them sent the beacon. Um, also maybe Banner and Hulk can switch at will and he switched to Banner just to fit the holo booth. Imagine if that were true. I hope that's not true. I have no interest in that, to be honest with you. Um, I don't get the sense GC that anybody can use the rings. I did not get that sense at all. Now that could be the case. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying I didn't get the sense. I literally feel like they they went to him because he they uniquely could only go to him, you know, other than his father. The very fact that they changed colors under his control. Something that they didn't do. I don't remember them doing it at any rate. I have to go back and watch it again. But in his opening fight with his wife, when she kind of, she never wore them, but when she gathered them into that fireball state, I don't think they changed colors. Although I could be wrong about that, I'd have to go see it again. So uh, we'll see. Uh, Graham Jones writes, you said you teared up during the moment in the final fight scene. What was that moment? Like I said a little bit earlier, that moment where he's like 3,000 feet up in the air and falling down to the dweller in darkness who's already got the rings in him and he's controlling the rings and he's falling like an asteroid from, from the sky coming down. There's just something so beautiful and majestic about that visual that that's the part every time. Every time of the six times that I've seen this movie, I get tears in my eyes in that part. I, I really honestly do. All right. Uh, uh, let's see here. Billy the Kid writes, when Katie shot the arrow uh, into the Dweller in Darkness, me and my friend yelled, Katie, as the audience cheered, uh, the loudest cheer of the entire screening, best movie going experience in a while. I agree. It is, it is, it's incredible. And I'll tell you what, some people in part one of our spoiler discussion said that, you know, how'd Katie get so good at shooting an arrow in just a day? And and my argument to that is, I learned, I learned how to shoot a bow and arrow and at least not hit the bullseye, but hit the target pretty consistently in just an hour or two of using a bow and arrow for the first time. A bow and arrow is not rocket science. I mean, it would take a lifetime to become a master at it, sure. But just to basically draw an arrow, shoot, and hit a a decently sized target. It's not all that hard. And remember the dweller in darkness at this point, he's got a throat. That's the length of a bus. Like literally his, his throat is like the length of a city bus. So yeah, it's not so incredible. It's not like Katie had to hit a quarter or hit a little exhaust port on the death star. She literally had this monstrous target to hit. And she had been practicing for like a full day on this thing. It's not that hard to believe that she could have done it. I could have done it. You could have done it. It's just that she had to summon up the courage to do it. And she did. And that was the point. It's not like suddenly she's a master archer. You know what I mean? All right. Next up. Uh, Mega Movies writes, I'm moving six hours away to North Carolina and made this my last movie up here in theaters. And what a way to go out in real D 3d to your favorite. I, I've, I've never gone to a real D 3d. I didn't even know this movie was available in 3d. I have literally not seen any theater show that this movie was available in 3d. So 
I is that true? Were you able to see it in real three? Anyway, I didn't. I didn't even know it was a, an option. I've never seen an option for it, which is fine by me because I think three D is a useless gimmick. But the important thing here, Mega Movies, is that you had a chance to go see a banger of a movie as your last time going to probably your favorite theater of choice before making a move. So that's good, and I'm glad you had a good time. And good luck on your move, man. Best of luck on your move. All right, John Lee writes. I saw the movie twice and will be seeing it at least one more time with my dad. Who would you like to see Shang-Chi interact with most from the MCU? Irrelevant. Don't really care. I just love, as long as he and Katie are still around each other, you can put them around anybody. I don't care if it's War Machine. I don't care if it's Winter Soldier. I don't care if it's Loki. I don't care. I, I really don't care. I, I have no, no, as long as it's written well, I'm sure it'll be great. As long as Katie is a part of it, I'm totally on board. I think it's great. All right, next up. Uh, Joel uh, Muchler writes, I appreciated that in a Marvel movie, those who got their souls taken stayed dead and didn't magically come back to life. Yeah, there was a part of me that wondered if when the Dweller in Darkness died, <clears throat> if we would have seen all the souls fly back to their, to their human bodies. Um, and honestly, I, I wouldn't have minded that there's, it's no more unrealistic to think that could have happened than it is that there are these little demon creatures that can suck the souls out and drop them in the belly of their master. It's no more unbelievable that that happens than that. If the master then died, that the souls returned to their bodies. I mean, I, so I wouldn't have had a problem with it, but I think it gave it it gave the, the battle more stakes that there were a lot of them who died and they stayed dead, including, you know, the old guy, which I really liked. I really liked him. Uh, anyway, next up, uh, Sanderista420 writes, uh, Shang-Chi was a better version of Star Wars. Not at all. Uh, OG trilogy. Just Shang-Chi. Just saw Shang-Chi. Finished it in two hours. Not, not seven. Was heavily influenced by Seven Samurais. And the seven, you mean the seven samurai uh, and the hidden fortress, best fantasy since battle of the bastards. I mean, yeah, listen, I, you know me, man. I love this movie. I think it's great. I think it had the best martial arts action we've seen in a movie since the raid. I think it's the best comic book movie we've had in general since Logan, not as good as the raid, not as good as Logan, just since those films. Um, I love it as good as the original star Wars trilogy. No, not even in the same universe, in my opinion, but I'm glad you liked it that much, my friend. All right. Uh, yet Chirobi writes when Wu's story was undercut by a very cool Kaiju fight. He should have been, he should have been the true final battle for Shang-Chi. I disagree. I disagree. Uh, that simply is not what the narrative of this movie was building up to. It was definitely building up to a conflict between them, but that wasn't the end of the narrative story. And what the the ultimate emergence of the Dweller in Dark, because you, what you could not have done in this movie is had this buildup, this whole thing, that the whole thing behind this was the Dweller in Darkness deceiving Shang-Chi's father, Wenwu. You can't have that and then just have the Dweller in Darkness not show up. You can't do that. And you can't have the Dweller in Darkness the being that could eliminate the entire world and wiped out almost all of the Talo civilization and have him be the warm-up fight. You can't do that. That that just would make no narrative sense whatsoever. It made far more sense to have Shang-Chi and Wenwu have their face-off with each other and ultimately it ends 
with Wen Wu making his final act, saving his son's life, and then passing on the rings to his son so his son could now move on and save the world. To me, that is far more narratively appropriate. It was far more story-wise satisfying. And it was a much more logical conclusion to this movie than it would have been if you just suddenly ignored the Dweller in Darkness stuff and the whole Great Protector, which would set up right from the very beginning of the movie. To have that stuff just be a setup thing for, nah. This made far more sense. And especially when you understand that, you know, Wen Wu is not, not since he met Shang-Chi's mother, He's not evil. He was being driven by love. He was being driven by a belief that he was trying to save the woman he loved. So to make him the ultimate evil bad guy in the last fight, to me, wouldn't have made sense, especially considering all the other story stuff that this movie had been setting up. The fact that he made his last act saving his son's life from the Dweller in Darkness first, then sacrificing himself, and then passing on the rings to Shang-Chi, that to me was perfect to me at any rate i respect your opinion your opinion is different than mine but your opinion is every bit as valid as mine i'm just saying i completely disagree but that's my take on it all right uh next up we've got parker who writes what was your reaction when wen wu dealt the final blow to the gate and released that gigantic dragon monster were you surprised at how big it was yes when it when it came out it was like well they're not playing around like you knew it was going to be big because when Shang-Chi's aunt was showing them all the sculptures of the Taolo civilization and they showed them the, the sculpture of the gate, you saw how big the claw coming out of the gate was. And then, so when we saw the gate, you realize, oh, that, this thing must be pretty big. But yeah, I was a little surprised, Parker, by just how big the damn thing was. All right, J.C. Nightwalker writes, Abomination and Wong Disney Plus show. No, I think Wong's going to have a lot to do. So, no, that's probably right. But I, I am looking forward to seeing Abomination and She-Hulk, though. Uh, Matthew Car Carter writes, Hey, John, I love the movie. 10 out of 10. Quick question, though. Did Bruce Banner look uh, old to you, or was it just me? I kind of felt like the Hulk is gone thoughts. I don't know. The, I don't think the Hulk is gone. I do not think the Hulk is gone. That said, um, how old is Mark Ruff? Um... Uh, <laughs> Ruffalo age. He's got to be in his mid fifties. He's 53. So Mark Ruffalo is 53. So he's getting a little bit older. I mean, he was looking a little bit older before. He's just got a little bit more gray in his hair. That's all. I don't think the Hulk is gone though. At least I really, really hope Matthew that the Hulk is not gone. I hope the Hulk is not gone. All right. Mega movies rights. Now that we've seen abomination versus Wong, do you think he's in the portal in no way home? Listen, do you think when he's in the portal in No Way Home, he's leaving to fight him, setting the events of Shang-Chi. No. Somebody else was asking the same question. Absolutely not. It totally looked like Wong. In the trailer, it looked like he was going on vacation. That wasn't a vacation. He was, that was just running in to do a fight, and then he went right back home. So, no, I don't think it's connected at all. I mean, I might be wrong. Totally. I'm just saying, but it doesn't look at all like the two are connected. All right. Jonathan Haley writes, what I loved about Wen Wu is that even after all of his misdeeds, you still feel for the guy. Making of a great villain and performance from Leong. Yeah, listen, the, I think because of all his misdeeds, you even feel worse for him because this is a guy who did the work of going through a major life change. He abandoned everything he had built and fought for for a thousand years for love. He gave up his immortality 
He gave up his empire. He gave up the direction of his life all to change his life and turn it around for love and to raise a family and to grow old and to be a loving father and to be all those things. And after going through that, suffering the loss that he did. And I love movies and TV shows and stories that will tell the stories about what pain can do even to good people. And that's part of why I really loved, uh, I love the character so much. All right. R. Lee writes, from Crazy Rich Asians, The Farewell, and now Shang-Chi, Aquafina has really grown on me. I completely agree, dude. Um, there were portions where I thought she carried the movie. Great comedic comic relief to Simu Liu, straight man slash hero. Listen, I even in like Ocean's 8, I, I've never been a big fan of Aquafina. I don't mind telling you that. I've never been a big fan of Aquafina. And I think it was The Farewell that made me go, holy crap. This girl can really act. And if you disagree with me, you probably haven't seen The Farewell. I don't know many people who have seen The Farewell that would disagree with me. Maybe some of you would. I, I don't know. But I'm like, wow. And I loved her in Crazy Rich Asians. She was more an Aquafina kind of character in Crazy Rich Asians than she is in The Farewell. But she shows her range there. And um, yeah, then I loved her in Shang-Chi. And I, my words exactly are, Lee, she is a performer who is really growing on me, like really growing on me a lot. So I'm glad you feel, feel as well. All right. Mega movies rights. Seeing Ben Kingsley ba uh, back and Mandarin put a huge smile on my face. Uh, how did they get those monkeys to do those things? His creature was adorable too. Dude, I'm telling you what, I, I mentioned this in part one, but I was a little nervous when they brought Trevor back. Cause like, okay, is this going to be overly silly and overly all, all over the top and all this kind of stuff, but it was just the right amount. And that whole dialogue in the car about watching planet of the apes, how do they get those monkeys to ride those horses? They were exactly, they were only acting like they were riding though. That whole part is freaking hilarious. And the part where Morris finds him dead. So it's just a performance mate. You better get down and join me if you want to live. And it's like, eh, Morris. I, again, it's all, they knew not to use it too much. And I thought they used him perfectly. If you're going to have him in there and they gave him great narrative purpose because they needed that character in order to get them, uh, in order to get them, uh, to where they were going. And I, how did I do this? There we go. In order to get them where they're going. So they gave him a narrative purpose and a narrative function. And then they didn't overuse them once they got him in the movie. And I think that was scary because he's a character that could wear it, wear it as welcome pretty quickly. If you don't use him right. All right. Yachirobi writes, love seeing Wong get more development. Me too. Those little moments made him more than strange as sidekick. Uh, could he have his own show? I'd watch it. You know what? I don't know that he's getting his own show, but Ann and I were talking about this. I almost feel like he's becoming the next Nick Fury. I feel like he could become one of these characters that becomes the bonding agent between all the various MCU characters going on out there. Now, that might be a bit of a stretch. It might be. But I think we're going to see Wong become a more significant presence, not just in Doctor Strange, but I think we're going to see Wong become more of a presence in the MCU in general. The very fact that he was the one that reached out to Shang-Chi and then was able to call a meeting with Captain Marvel and Bruce Banner, 
I think his role in the MCU is growing. Whether that means he gets his own show or not, I'm perfectly fine if he doesn't get his own show. But I love seeing him having a growing importance in the MCU in general. So we'll see where that goes. All right, next up. We got J Meister 25 writes. I do appreciate how a dragon aligned himself with Shang-Chi and his sister. Lots of Final Fantasy 4 and 5 all over this movie. You you knew the dragon knew exactly who they were. The dragon knew exactly who they were. They had the heart of their dragon. The great protector. Again, one of my favorite moments, one of my most emotionally satisfying moments is when Xiling peels the little demons off the dragon's face and eyes. And then the dragon just turns and looks at her and they just look, I was like, Oh my God, that's so majestic. I love that moment. All right. Uh, J GC, uh, Nightwalker writes one of two call me heartless, but I don't hold it against Wen Wu to train his son. So no one could kill him. Uh, he didn't want to re- a repeat of what happened to his wife. Um, also, props to Marvel for showing the sexism of Wen Wu and still not making him cartoonishly evil as certain films would tend to do. Yeah, no, they they made his sexism clear, but they didn't cartoonify his sexism. You know what I mean? They made it clear, but they didn't cartoonify it. And then when you get to the second post credit scene where she has girls training there as well as the guys, the, all the audiences I've seen with, the girls all erupt. The girls all erupt and cheer pretty damn loud at that scene. I thought that was pretty good. All right. Greg Scott Bailey writes, I love the timelines this shows. 1996, Wen Wu meets Shang-Chi's mother. Carol Danvers arrives back on Earth, meets Fury. Is that true? Is that in 96? Shang-Chi sent to get mother's killer. Likely 2011, uh, Thor slash Iron Man 2 or close to 2012 Avengers. Uh, So-and-so sent... Oh, that was a different thing altogether. So, sorry. These are two different things. There's no space between them. Let's see if I can get a get a, a space in between those. All right. So we'll answer Greg Scott Bailey's first. So um, I didn't realize 1996 was the same year that uh, Wen Wu meet, met Shang-Chi's mother. That's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, anyway, and then likely when he sent to, uh, sent to get his mother's killer, likely... 2011. Yeah, they weren't really specific about that. They said it was when he was 14. So who knows what year it was? Like, if he was born in 97, then 14 would be what? Would be, yeah, would be 2011. Would be 14. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's it's pretty much lining up. You're right. That's an interesting Okay, so a Russian name that I clearly will not be able to pronunciate uh, writes, in my opinion, the movie is overhyped. Second act dragged too much. I disagree. I think second act was the best part of the movie. Third was way too, or at least second half. Third was way too fantastical. I disagree. I thought the fantastical added a beautiful element to the film and took me out. Earth stuff was the best. Uh, Post-credit scene was great. 7.5 out of 10. Well, I mean, overhyped is an overused phrase. All whenever somebody says overhyped, what they really mean is I didn't like it as much as other people did. That's what they're really saying. The movie's not overhyped. The movie is getting exactly all the hype it should get. But for you, it didn't work quite as much for you. I mean, but you liked it, right? That's the thing. Everybody likes this movie. Obviously, not literally everybody, but practically everybody who sees this movie likes it. Practically everyone. I don't know how you can call that overhyped. Not many movies can do that. Very, very few movies can do that. 
So, so don't use the word overhyped when all you really mean is I didn't like it as much as somebody else. Cause that's really what you're saying. You're just saying you didn't like it as much as other people, but you're saying you still liked it. You gave it a, you know, three quarters out of perfect. You give 7.5 out of 10. That's three quarters of the way to perfect. So clearly you at least liked it. And if even you liked it, then this movie ain't overhyped, man. This movie isn't overhyped. Anyway, that's just the way I interpret it. Okay, next up. Uh, GC Nightwalker writes. Uh, oh, sorry, we already did that one. Uh, Anders F. writes. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if Bruce was in human form just to save money on effects. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes unexplained. Listen, the MCU is not adverse to just doing things and not explaining them. Like, look at the end of Iron Man 3, and then all of a sudden in Avengers Age of Ultron, he's flying around doing what he's doing. I mean, that makes no sense, right? They just It's just that they left a lot unexplained. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if they don't explain how he's no longer just Professor Hulk. And I, and I hope, I hope they keep it that way. That's just me. All right. Uh, GC Nightwalker writes, also, when Wu is the heart of the film, I'm ready to fight anyone on this. No, really, you very well. There's an argument to be made that it is his story. It starts with him. It's about him acquiring, I mean, you don't see him acquiring the rings, but that he got the rings, he's built this empire, he has his son, his son goes on the run because of him. It's about him getting his son back oh, into the Ten Rings thing, sending him on the quest of getting his mother back, but then protecting Tao Lo, and then ultimately having to have a big thing. I mean, you can make the argument that this movie's every bit as much about him as it is about Shang-Chi. Matt Mobile writes, talking about beautifully, uh, beautifully visual martial arts movies, have you seen the 2019 movie Shadow? Uh, I have not. It's one of the sword umbrella fights it's amazing. Not seen that one, but again, Matt, we're here to talk about Shang-Chi, but I appreciate you putting that on my radar. Uh, Marcus Price writes, Hey John, movie was great. Saw it twice. Is it just me or is the streamer on the bus, the do a flip Spider-Man guy in homecoming? I did not recognize that by myself, but apparently yes. I had a few other people mention that to me that, and I didn't recognize him at all. I personally didn't recognize him at all. But yes, apparently that is the, the same do-a-flip guy from Spider-Man as is the streamer on the bus. By the way, I thought the streamer on the bus was absolutely hilarious. All right, Cameron Nelson writes, uh, when, uh, when Wu asked Katie what's her real name, reminds me of when Magneto asked Pyro what's his real name in X-Men. Oh yeah, I like that too. I like that too. That, that was a that it did have some, some, uh, similarities there, the feeling that I had when he asked that, Cameron. So I think that's a very, very, very good comparison there. I like that a lot. Well done, Cameron. All right, Mike Sue writes, uh, I hope you are having a great long weekend. I did have a great long weekend. Thank you. It was wonderful. We booked a private theater to go watch Shang-Chi again with a couple of friends and a few family. Had a great time at that. We went to go see John Williams in concert. Um, I mean, we had a fantastic weekend. Had a fantastic weekend. Thank you for asking, man. I hope you did too, Mike. All right. Uh, S1M Blackmore writes, one of three. Hi, John. I enjoy Shang-Chi, but I thought it was uh, a vague on the details, like why he hates his dad and why his mom was killed. Um, I managed to understand why he hates his dad and why, uh, and why his was... I'm, okay, let me try this again. I enjoyed Shang-Chi, but I thought it was a vague on the details like why he hate why he hate his dad and why his mom was killed. I managed to understand why he hate his dad and why his was, but 
I thought it could have explained a bit better, but that's just my opinion. Um, okay, I guess you said one of three, but I guess it's just of two. Um, I, I thought it was very clear why he hated his father. I mean, that, that, was, that was clear as day. Absolutely clear as day uh, why, why he hated his father. I also thought the why his mother died was pretty clear that something from his father's past caught back up and it cost his mom his life. There was no need to go into specific details. It's like, well, okay, he tried to destroy the Iron Gang. Well, what did he do to try to destroy the Iron Gang? Well, in 1989, he w- I mean, none of that was necessary. All that we needed to know for the purpose of the narrative was that something from Wen Wu's past life had caught up to them. And something from his past life and his past way of life ended up costing the life of his wife and the life of Shang-Chi uh, and his sister's mom. That's all that was necessary knowledge for the movie. It didn't need to be. Not every little point of everything in a movie needs to be explained. If that's the case, then every movie's going to be four or five hours long. So I thought exactly what needed to be explained was explained. At least that was my take on it, SM, uh, S1M. That was my take on it. All right, next up. Yachirobi writes... Uh, would have liked to see more of uh, Florian slash Razorfist to do. Uh, most he got was an awesome fight and a cool car. Florian can do more on screen than Scowl. But again, the movie is not called Razorfist. Like I get, like we can all go through movies we like and find 15 things or individuals or items that we like and say they should have done more with that. But no, they shouldn't have. Razor Fist totally played his role in this. Anything more of him would have just been distracting and taking time away from what the real story of the movie was. And they gave him great stuff to do. Like, that fight on the bus is iconic. And I loved him in Creed 2, by the way. I thought he was fantastic in Creed 2. I was so excited to see him pop up in this movie. I really was. But that fight he had there, and just always constantly being this incredibly menacing presence, but also like the main right-hand guy to Wen Wu himself. And like, remember in the fight, in his first fight with Shang-Chi, I mean, you can make the argument that Shang-Chi won the fight in the sense that he got away, but Shang-Chi had to get away from Razor Fist. And Razor Fist ultimately got what he was there for. He got the pendant from him. So he had this amazingly awesome fight with Shang-Chi. And then I thought he was great in Tao Lo. And then to have him there showing loyalty, continuing his loyalty to the family by now serving Wen Wu's daughter, I thought it was great. Any more would have just been, it would have taken away from the movie because now you're focusing on something that is not part of the central story going on here. So you would have had to have taken time and screen time away from the central story of the movie to go and do stuff for a side character for no reason whatsoever. You don't change your movie because you got a really good guy in there. Florian was great, but you don't change the movie for him. 
All you do is you ask him to bring the best that he can in that. And, you know, Florian is a new actor. He's he's not a great thespian at this point. I thought they used him perfectly, and I thought he was great in what he was called on to do. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of him moving forward. Because, of course, the Ten Rings are going to return. All right. Uh, Panera Employee. I love that username. Panera Employee writes, uh, The Ten Rings are from the future, and they belong to Kang the Conqueror. Again, I don't think so. I think everybody is way overestimating um, how big of a role Kang is going to play in the overall MCU. Like, he's going to be a, a significant player, but he's not... This is... The MCU is now not now going to be all about Kang. I don't believe that at all. So I do not believe the Ten Rings are going to be connected to Kang at all. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know that for a fact. I could be wrong. Totally could be wrong. I'm just saying right now I don't believe it. he'll be connected at all. All right. Super Adam Cox writes, I think this is the most fleshed out uh, villain the MCU has ever had. I felt his conflict. Thanks, John. I agree. Now, I still think Thanos is probably the best villain they've ever had. Man, a good argument can be made for uh, Killmonger, too. But unlike Killmonger, where, you know, Killmonger and Wenwu both had something tragic happen to them that set them on a certain path. Unlike Killmonger, though, Wenwu didn't become just a total psychopath. Like a total genocidal murderous psychopath like Killmonger did. Killmonger was out to kill everybody. Kill them. Like Killmonger actually said in Black Panther, kill them, kill their families, kill their children, kill them. I mean, he was literally out for genocide. So, I mean, there's that. But, look, I, I, look, I still think Thanos is the best villain they've had, but Wenwu is right up there with Killmonger. I mean, they're, they're, they're two very different kinds of villains, but two magnificent villains. In an MCU that isn't known for its great villains, let's be honest here. Like, I love the MCU. You know I do, but they're not exactly known for their great handling of villains, with a few exceptions. Thanos, Loki, Killmonger, and now Wenwu gets added to that list as well. All right, next up. Um, oh, and by the way, Super Adam Cox like tipped in like $50 sending in that question to support our channel. Dude, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that very, very much that you would support our channel on that level. Thank you for being here, and thank you for being one of the reasons we're able to do this show at all. So thank you for that, Super Adam. Um, all right, next up. Uh, Ken Pocop writes, Well, overall, I liked the film. I didn't love it. Uh, Ugh, the fight scenes were good, but there were many inconsistencies, i.e. Katie suddenly understanding Chinese after after stating so. I'm conflicted. No, she... Look, everybody totally misunderstands that. In the beginning of the movie, she's in her apartment with her family. Her grandmother is speaking Chinese, and she clearly understood. She's just not super fluent in Chinese. Right, because every like everybody's like, hey, sorry, like my Chinese kind of sucks. She's not saying I don't know Chinese, because we already saw a scene in her home where her grandmother's speaking Chinese, and Katie knew exactly what it was she was saying, and was able to follow. This, you know, you know, Grandpa wouldn't wouldn't want you to be like this. He'd want you to enjoy the rest of your life and move on and blah blah blah. After the grandmother was speaking Chinese, so she she can understand Chinese. I think when she just says to the guy when they show up at the fight club, she's just saying, look, I'm not super fluent in Chinese. Chinese is not really her first language per se. But 
Again, remember, they established right at the beginning of the movie that she can understand Chinese. So, yes, that's not an inconsistently. It's totally consistent with the movie. All right. Anyway, uh, I Gluberg, a Gluberg writes, uh, did you think Wong was acting unlike his usual persona? And I found Wong and Abomination being uh, friendly, very peculiar. No, I didn't think he was acting unlike his usual persona. I think the way he was acting was exactly like the way he was acting, acting at the beginning of Infinity War. When he's talking about getting a tuna, I wouldn't say no to a tuna melt. Like he's, that's just his guy. This is the same guy who in the first Doctor Strange movie is listening to Beyonce, right? So no, I didn't find it consistent. Again, how do Wong and Abomination even know each other? Uh, There's a story there to be told. There's, there's, I think, probably a very interesting story there to be told, and I am looking forward to hearing what that story is. All right. Uh, Joseph Rotani writes, I just got home from the movie. It was great. Was Shang-Chi and Aquafina's character a couple by the end? No. Uh, looked like it, but wasn't exactly sure. No, they were just still strictly platonic friends. And I thought that was great. I love that they did that. There was no hint in the movie whatsoever that they were now romantically involved. I, I didn't catch that at all. I just, but I thought their relationship was great. Um, all right. Next up, the Jughead One writes, "Hey John, uh, where are yeah? Uh, just seen Shang Chi. A little disappointed. It was too much like Kung Fu Panda for my liking. Oh, I disagree at all. Love and respect from the UK brother. Hey, listen, Jughead." All movies are subjective, man. They all hit us in different ways. There are people, there are movies some of my friends love that I look at and go, really? Okay. And there are movies that I love that some people may look at and go, but that's the beauty of film, man. Every movie hits us all in unique ways. No movie hits us in the exact same way as the person next to you. And having completely unique experiences uh, means that we're all going to have a different level of positive reaction to it or negative reaction to it. It sounds like you at least liked it. And that's great. Uh, I did not feel like this was like Kung Fu Panda at all, but that's just me. Unless you're saying like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is like Kung Fu Panda, in which case I don't know. I don't know how to discuss that with you. If that's what you think. But again, every movie hits us differently. And if that was your experience with it, brother, that was your experience with it. All right. Mine was obviously different. All right. Angela Dashner uh, sends in like a, a uh, $50 super chat. Angela, thank you so much for supporting our channel on that level. You, you constantly support our channel. So thank you very much. And don't think I don't recognize that. All right. Angela writes, I loved this movie. I have already gone back two more times to see this. One of the best origin movies from Marvel. I personally think the best origin movie they've done. Uh, wonder how Eternals will do. What do you think? Did you see the trailer for West Side Story? What did you think? Yeah, not really here to talk about West Side Story. I, Steven Spielberg's my all-time favorite filmmaker. I didn't love the trailer for West Side Story. The question has been brought up a lot, though, in the last couple of days about are there going to be direct connections between Shang-Chi and the Eternals? Some people speculating that the rings are actually going to somehow be connected to the story of the Eternals. That there'll be something that came from the Celestials and, and we're going to learn more about the rings and the Eternals. I don't personally think so. I don't personally believe that. Um, but we will find out soon enough, whatever their connection is. I, but again, what Shang-Chi did do as far as the Eternals go, Shang-Chi made me even more excited for Eternals. It made me even more excited for Eternals. Because unlike Black Widow, which did not make me feel like the magic 
of the MCU had returned. Like it was, it was a decent movie. I liked Black Widow. I did, but it just, just didn't. It just, it didn't give that experience that an, that I'm accustomed to an MCU movie delivering. You know what I mean? Shang Chi did, and rediscovering that has made me more excited for Eternal. So uh, now I'm totally psyched up for it. Anyway, thanks again for sending that in, Angela, and thank you so much for supporting us on that level. All right, S1M Blakemore writes in, a very, very late three out of four. Guys, you got to listen. Again, if you have a long message to write in, write it all out in Notepad first, and then copy and paste it in so they can be like this whole thing where I have to hunt through and try to find like you can't put in part one and then 15 minutes later put in part two because it makes it very hard to follow anyway I asked him watch three or four about one of the fight had a bit of an issue for me it's the fight in club when he's fighting outside and I noticed the scaffolding was made out of bamboo and oh there it is uh wouldn't the scaffolding made out of steel just look Okay, wouldn't the scaffolding made out of steel just look out of the movie for a bit? Okay, I'm not exactly sure what you're saying. I have seen that type of stuff, though. I have I have seen that a lot. I've seen buildings that have had, like, bamboo kind of uh, scaffolding on the exterior. So what they actually use in Macau, I have no idea. I have no idea. I have no experience with stuff with that, so I have no idea if that would be true or not. So not in the least did it take me out of it. That That element of it did not take me out uh, at all in the least. All right, next up. Um, Samuel Shin writes, being an Asian myself, I wanted to love this film, but I didn't. I just thought it was okay. Tony Young is MVP and Simu was good, especially when it's revealed he had blood on his hands. That was a really good moment. That was a good moment because it's kind of stereotypical to have the hero say they couldn't go through with the big evil thing. He did. He went out and assassinated the guy who killed his mother. And I like that a lot. I thought that was key. I, that gave more depth to the character than an average than an average comic book hero, right? I loved that when we find out that he actually did go. So part of him not going back to his dad, it wasn't out of fear that my dad will be mad. It totally changed the context of it, right? Because it changed our understanding. Because when we thought he didn't kill the guy, we thought the whole thing of him not going back to his father was about, I can't face my dad for failing. Instead, it totally changed it to, I did this. I hate what it did to me. And I cannot be this. Because before it was just, I don't want to go, go back to my dad because he'll be mad that I failed. Now it's a totally different story of, I cannot become this. I cannot become what I just did. I can't be this. And I have to get away from my father. It totally changed our concept of the understanding of the story. And I thought that was a great move on their part. I really did. All right. Uh, let's see. Where are we at now? We are at Casinema Reviews writes. Are we out there? Yes. Uh, no. We are at uh, JG who writes. The movie took place during the uh, King Ming Festival in China. That's the day the gate opens per Wen Wu. So the film started about a week before that. I guess I've never thought of that. I didn't know that was a festival. I've never heard of that before. Thank you for a little bit of the cultural lesson in there, JG. I appreciate that, man. All right. Uh, Cinema Reviews writes, I was surprised how much of the film had subtitles. I was too, but very, very pleasantly surprised. I really like that they did that. All right. Eric Silva Gomez writes, 
In my opinion, Tony Leung gave one of the greatest villain performances ever. I agree. The scene where he got his revenge is ingrained in my memory. Dude, like I said on the show before, I have a guilty pleasure association with scenes with incredibly violent, righteous retribution. Like a kind of scene in a movie where a father of a murdered daughter comes across the gang of guys who did it and just murders them. There's something very satisfying. I'm a, I'm a pacifist, and there's something about that I find incredibly satisfying. And so when Wen Wu, I'm like, you fools, you think you can go to Wen Wu's home and murder his wife in front of his children, and you think you're just going to live through that? You think you're just going to go, loop? okay, that's done. Loop-de-loo, let's go to the pool hall and play some pool and play some pie gal. Everything, I'm sure, is going to be fine. You think Wen Wu is going to let you live after that? So I'm telling you, man, when Wen Wu walks into that club in that awesome suit he's wearing holding hands with his son he looks his son like his son ratted them out he looks at his son are 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 these the individuals who thought it was a good idea to murder wen wu's wife and the son just looks at him and goes and like oh yes kid you rat those dudes out you rat them out because now i want to see wen wu extract violent murderous righteous retribution. I'm telling you, man, there's something about that. I get a big kick out of. Okay. Uh, sorry. That was the, that was that. All right. Next up. Uh, John Lee writes, I do think they're going to explain more of the rings origin in a sequel. Oh, absolutely. They will. I mean, they're, they're completely setting it up that there's a mystery here with the rings. That's gotta be solved. So they will figure it out uh, in a sequel. Uh, I'll be definitely getting the rings. I'll be definite deaf. I'll be deaf getting the rings once Marvel puts them out as merch. I will totally get them too, man. I want, and I'm not just talking like plastic. To, I want full metal like rings to have them. I will totally get those with you, John. I will totally get them with you. All right. Panera employee writes, the rings aren't calling to wear, but when, uh, at least that's my theory from a YouTuber called Geek Culture Explained. I, su- I suggest his video for this theory. Yeah, no, I'm very, very familiar with Geek Culture Explained. He also does a YouTube channel called Comics Explained. He knows a lot. I disagree. I disagree. I don't think it's a calling to win. I don't think this is a time-traveling sort of issue going on. Uh, I think this is a to where or to a who. To where or to who? Again, I don't know that. Kevin Feige didn't call me and tell me that. That's just my... That's just my guess and my speculation right now. But we'll see. We'll find out. It might very well be that way. All right. Princess Jessa 13 writes, I want Anne's thoughts, especially as an Asian American, please. Again, she absolutely loved it. She said, you know, like I said earlier in the thing, she mentioned that this was just a great movie. Forget that it's Asians in it. It's just a great movie. But it was very special for her also seeing the main title hero on screen, particularly the entire culture of it something she's never seen before where the the heroes all look like her in this golden age of comic book movies. We've never seen that before. And that type of representation is important. And uh, she really, she really appreciated it on that level. Thanks for asking princess. All right. Jonathan Hernandez writes, I saw the movie earlier today. My anticipation was super high after your view and Robert and Aaron's reactions. I liked it, but didn't love it. That's fine. 
You liked it, though. That's exactly what I said would happen. I said, like, some people will like it more than me. Some people will like it as much as me. But here's the thing. I know you're going to like it. Like, there's just so much to this movie. At minimum, you're going to like it. Now, obviously, again, all film is subjective, so not every single person who watches it's going to like it, but the vast, 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 vast majority of people will. And like, even when you go and look at the uh, audience scores now, Rotten Tomatoes with over 5,000 registered audience scores, I believe is still sitting at 99%. I think it dropped down to 98% for a bit, but then I think I saw it go back up to 99%. At any rate, so basically everybody likes it. And that is a remarkable thing. That is extremely rare where just audiences just generally all agree, this is a good movie. And uh, you may not have liked it as much as I did. And, and I told everybody, the moment I came out, I, I told everybody the first time I started talking about my show, you may not like it as much as me, but I feel very confident you're going to like it. And a movie to have that wide agreement that people say, yeah, this is a good movie. That's a rare thing, man. It's a rare thing, and I'm glad you did. All right, next up, Anton Riley writes, been listening to Hotel California nonstop since seeing this movie. I'm not going to lie. I probably put that, popped that up on YouTube Music and played it once or twice as well. California, please bring me my wine. All right, Stone Fanatic 15 writes, one of two. I loved this movie from start to finish. Definitely a top tier NCU film. In my opinion, I can't wait to see where they go with Shang-Chi in terms of a sequel. I agree. I think you got to get more into the rings, but they may actually do that in another film prior to Shang-Chi. I don't know which one it would be, but yeah, man, I tell you what, I watched this movie and I'm just like, uh, when can we get the next Shang-Chi? Uh, when can we get the next one? Because I definitely want him back. I definitely want Katie back. I definitely want his aunt back. Like, Michelle Yeoh, look, I'm going to say something. Maybe it's a little bit crude. I don't care. Michelle Yeoh doing kung fu is fucking hot. I'll say it. I don't care. I thought that back in the day of Crouching Tiger. I thought that when she's in Bond. I, I just, I like, Michelle Yeoh moving the way Michelle Yeoh moves I don't care. She she can be 75 when, when she turns 75. I don't care. She's still going to be effing hot. That, that, yeah. I just want him back, man. I just want him back. Uh, sorry, that was part one of two. Uh, do you think the 10 rings have anything to do with the Eternals since there are 10 Eternals and 10 rings? Uh, no, I don't, but it is a possibility. I mean, listen, the rings could be connected to Galactus. The kings could be connected to Kang. The king, the rings could be to connected to the Eternals. The rings could be connected to something we haven't even been introduced yet into the MCU whatsoever. So I simply don't know. I don't think it's going to be what it was in the comic books. That, that much I feel pretty certain about. But, I mean, it could be any of those things. The Eternals is definitely a possibility. My guess would be not. But, hey, we've only got a little while longer to wait for the Eternals, and then we'll get our answer on that for sure. All right. Uh, Cam5326 writes, safe to assume rings are calling to their creator. I think so. But then the, cre the question is, who is the creator of them? That's going to be the bigger question. But, yes, I agree with you on that, Cam. Alex Von Gollum writes, the range Simu Lu showed in the scene with Katie, a blood debt is paid with blood. You feel all of his emotions. He has the potential to become a great actor. I agree. And listen, I will say, as much as I love Simu Lu, good Canadian kid, awesome job in Kim's Convenience, and great job in Shang-Chi, Simu Lu is not yet a great actor. 
I agree exactly with what you just said, Alex. He has the potential to become a great actor. You can see it. The, the tools are there. You can see it. The raw elements are there. He's got a little ways to go. I thought he was great in this movie. I thought he was great. But would I say that that Simu Liu right now is a great actor? Like, would I put him on par with a Don Cheadle? Or would I put him on par with, you know, uh, with a Jake Gyllenhaal? Would I put him on par with actors like of that caliber? No, not definitely not. But is the potential there that he could become something like that? I think we see that the potential is there. So we'll have to see how well he develops as we move forward. All right, next up and final question, as it turns out. This is the last one for our two-parter of the Shang-Chi open spoiler discussion, comes to us from Ashley Bree, who writes, I definitely agree on Shang-Chi being better than Endgame. Uh, sorry, I definitely agree that Shang-Chi was better than Endgame. Endgame was a finale with fan service. It was amazing, but this reminded me of old MCU films. Yeah, again, I know a lot of people don't like it. A lot of people, their little butt cheeks get all puckered up when they hear me say it, but I truly do believe this is a better film. Like, I get, hey, you be Endgame's awesome! Yeah, well, yeah, Endgame is awesome. I like it very much. I mean, there's just rousing, heart-pumping, fantastic stuff that happens in it, but it's a lot of fan service, which is great. But I just think overall, fundamentally, at the very basic fundamentals of filmmaking, I just feel like this is the better movie. And that's not me dissing on Endgame. That is not me dissing on in, in, uh, uh, Infinity War. I love these movies. I love them. I think they're great. But I, I personally think Shang-Chi is better. And I know many of you are sitting home and you disagree with that. And I respect that. That's totally cool. But you got to respect that I feel differently. I, I think this one is the better film. But... That's look, the good news is, is that they're all MCU and they're all great. They're all great films. I, I just would personally hold it. I, I just agree with you, Ashley. I put it above Endgame. And that's again, that's just me. Is it a top three MCU movie ever? No. Um, I don't think it cracks the shell of like the original Avengers, uh, Winter Soldier, Civil War. These are like MCU movies I I think are the cream of the crop. Of uh, of the MCU, but but I would I would put it in a top five MCU. I'd say it's a top five MCU. But anyway, that's just me. All right, guys, that will do it for our two parter Shang Chi open spoiler discussion. Guys, thank you so much for being here and being up. I think overall this ended up being like probably over four hours. I'm thinking this probably ended up being well over four hours. When you look, when you take part one and part two together, I'll have to look at it a little bit later. Guys, thanks so much for this and being here. I'm glad so many of you guys had a chance to watch and enjoy Shang-Chi. Again, some of you liked it more than me. Some of you liked it as much as me. Some of you didn't like it quite as much as me, but it seems like everybody liked it. And I'm glad you did. Anyway, guys, uh, don't forget to join us tomorrow for the John Campus Show. Me, Robert Meyer Burnett, and Aaron Cummings is going to be making uh, an unusual Wednesday appearance on the show. So we're looking forward to that. And I hope you guys will join us for that as well. Anyway, guys, don't forget to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me, guys. My name's John Campion. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.